Hello, welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I'm joined by book blogger Susan Matheson with Bedside Table Books, and she has put together a list of her favorite books for spring. And I have to say, this is this may be my favorite episode that I've done so far. Uh, Susan was so entertaining and informative, and I really enjoyed hearing um, what she had to say. So before we get to Susan, I wanted to talk with you about uh, what I'm watching and listening to right now. The first thing I wanted to recommend is a period piece on Amazon Prime called The Luminaries, and it is based on a 19th century style novel by a New Zealand author, Eleanor Catton. And what it's about, it's it starts with a young woman who's alone on a ship um, headed towards the New Zealand gold rush in the 1860s, and she's coming from London. And she meets up with this um, man on the boat, and they just have this really strange connection. It almost seems like some type of mystical connection, but there's a lot of things that as the viewer, we don't know. And so then they arrive, both of them, in um, in New Zealand and they, on the west coast of New Zealand, and they agree to meet up um, later that night. But a bunch of things are at play. People don't want them to meet up. And so what starts to unfold is a, it's a mystery. It becomes a murder mystery. Um, there's fortune tellers, brothels, um, fights. Um, it's a, what I really liked about it is it's a rich stage set, beautiful costumes like brocade and green velvet and pocket watches and tailcoats and, um, just, you know, there's like steam coming up from, um, the, the grates in the street. It, it's just, it's a bit, it's gritty and, and beautiful and, you know, lots of dark corners. Um, it is, I, I read some reviews online and apparently the book is really long and involved. And, um, I'm, I'm curious, I'd love to hear from people that have read the book and it's over 800 pages. And, this is also very involved, but it's a, a bit lighter. And so it's it's meant to really be a pure escape um, show. And it's a, a, it's a takes you away. It seems like everything we're watching right now, which I actually referred to in the episode, is set in World War II. So this is a different time period. So for those of you who like period pieces, I would really recommend checking this out. The second thing I wanted to recommend is a podcast called Sibling Revelry. And it stars um, Oliver and Kate Hudson, um, who are a pair of real-life siblings. And they uh, talk with other siblings. And what I really like about this podcast is it's that sweet spot of really what, to me, a podcast is about, which is it just seems like they're hanging out. Um, You could be, you feel like you're with them in their kitchen or their living room, and they're very real. They're very imperfect. Um, You can see the connection that they have. They have very different personalities. And then they interview siblings, and half of what they're doing is just entertaining. And then the other thing that's really quite interesting is we talk all the time about our parents and the influence that our parents have had on us and what they've done or not done. But really, um, a lot of research shows that siblings, in fact, can have 
has a profound impact or more. And so it's really interesting. They do try to look deeply about why we are the way we are and how our how our siblings impact us. And a lot of the people they interview, um, it's often one sibling that is famous and the other isn't. So it's you get to see a totally different dynamic. So um, that's what I'm recommending. And now let's move over and talk with Susan. Hello, Susan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Amy. I'm delighted to join you. So I just want to comment that Susan is uh, uh, joining us with a super pro setup here. She's in an official podcast or recording studio. Can you tell us a little bit about the setup you have going on here? Well, I have a little pit crew in my family. (laughs) This is at my husband's office and they have a uh, a podcast as well. So they got set up all during COVID here. So it's uh, quite fun to come to the source of their podcast. And you've got your son in the background. I saw him come in. It looks all official. Like Yes, I've been calling him my pit crew. He's lovely. He loves to be able to help mom who's useless at this stuff. <laughs> so I'm really happy to have Susan here today. And she has um, a long-term book blog. It's called Bedside Table Books. And we were talking. I talked to her about what I'm doing. And she was talking about what she's doing. And we came up with the idea Um, to do a little spring preview. So I've asked Susan to put together um, several books that are debuting this spring, and she's going to give a little mini review. We're going to talk about the books, and we're going to talk about six books on this podcast, and then for kind of a more in-depth look at these books, plus four more, so she's going to look at 10 books over on her blog. Um, And I'll provide the link to the blog so you can see it. But, um, but Susan, you've been blogging for a long time when blogging was kind of like podcasting kind of early days. Right. <laughs> tell, tell us about wh- why you started this blog and, and what it's about. So the blog is called Bedside Table Books, which just came to me one day, probably when I woke up and looked at the tower on my bedside table and learned that that was kind of a common sight for a lot of people waking up. And I was finding that I had so many great friends in book clubs saying, oh, what to read next, what to read next. And I was sending out all these personalized emails that went on for pages. I'm sure it's more than they wanted, but <laughs> I enjoyed doing it so much. I am just a certifiable book geek from the get-go. So a blog at the time was new. This was 11 years ago. It was new and kind of a fun thing to try. So I set it up and it's been rolling along sporadically at times with apologies, but uh, um, I have a great readership and we do these lists quite often. I do like a Christmas list I had going, what to buy for people. I had a New Year's book and now and always have had a summer reading list, but a spring one, especially in this year after COVID, people have been so um, prolific with writing. So it's been fun with, to work with you and find a like-minded pal to go ahead with this kind of a list. It's good fun. Okay, so let's let's get started. What's what's the first book you have on your list? Well, I have long been an immense fan of Anne Lamott and anyone who does anything creatively, whether it's writing or um, art or anything, may well know of Anne Lamott's first book called Bird by Bird. And that was written in 1994. So I've actually had it longer in my household than my husband. <laughs> and it's just such a, uh, a great book. 
And it just holds the test of time. I've read it so many times. So I was particularly excited to see, once again, she has another book coming out uh, March 9th. It actually came out yesterday called Dusk, Night and Dawn. And this is a part of a series, part of a box set actually coming out in June, in which she's been talking about... um, well, she calls it her comfort and joy collection. So this particular one, Dusk, Night, Dawn, is about restoring hope and joy after a tough time. So um, I guess the best way to describe her writing, and she is just a delight. She hits so many really tough topics. And her agent actually said she hits all the capital letter topics like alcoholism and motherhood. And these all sound so, you know, kind of grim in a way, not motherhood, perhaps, but the others, is that she's... um, she goes into intense topics, but with a lightness, like you wouldn't believe. It's just so lovely. And I have yet to, whether you hear on our podcast or read a book, I have yet to not write something monumental down in a notebook. It's just, uh, she's just the queen of creating the little segment. So she's a delight. I absolutely recommend this, not having read it yet, but know that it will be one that people will carry around with them. I wanted to add that um, Operating Instructions Mm -hmm. uh, is a a book that she's written. And I don't really know anyone having babies right now. But when everyone was that I knew was having babies, I I gave it to everybody. And it's about her first year with her child. She's a single parent. I believe she was a single parent. She is, Um, yes, or was. And Mm -hmm. she uh, first, first year with her son. And it is so raw and and hilarious. So yes, sweet. like this, she has this wonderful blend of just gripping honesty, like you're just compelled and, you know, gut shots. And then she just hits you with the funniest wit and self-deprecating. And, and she's just lovely. You have to Google her photo because she's a Rastafarian sporting grandma. Like she's just a hoot and, um, and just a really genuine person. It's, um, you know, I, she's a philosopher of our times. And and it, as I say, too, if you get a chance to hear recordings of her or hear her on a podcast, she's um, you, you'll fall in love with her. Okay, so what's our second book? I think our second one is uh, Paula McLean, who's another grand favorite. I love that all these people are coming out with books again. Uh, Paula McLean was well known probably for her Hemingway series. The first one was called The Paris Wife, and the follow-up to that was Love and Rune. And those were sort of Ernest Hemingway's love stories with his first wife and his um, his second wife, who was Martha Gellhorn. And in those books, book clubs loved them. You could travel deep and, and go into this wonderful historical fiction. You and I have chatted a little bit about Circling the Sun, which was my favorite of hers. And that was um, really, if you remember the Out of Africa movie, the character Felicity, who was kind of that zany tomboy character, um, that was actually based on Beryl Markham. And so this is the historical fiction of Beryl Markham character who was a pilot who did this solo across the Atlantic. All of this is just like great gripping stuff. It's all historical fiction. Her new one is called When the Stars Go Dark. And I think this is very personal for Paula because she actually grew up having been abandoned by her parents. So she grew up in orphanages from the time she was tiny. I didn't know that. Yes. So this book, which we'll get to the source of the book itself is um, this book, uh, When the Stars Go Dark, is about a missing persons detective who has some sort of 
personal upheaval, decides to get away from all of this really dark work that she does, goes back to the hometown that she grew up in and ends up drawn in to two more missing persons cases with these young girls. And she gets very caught up in it. And it's very is it, personal. Is it, in the present, is it set in the present day? I believe it is. Yes. Okay. So a real departure a from real her departure. previous work, but she's a beautiful writer. And I encourage people to go to her website and read some of her personal essays. I know she had one in Real Simple and I think the National Post that were about her childhood because I think some of the traumas she faced in her early days will surface in the um, the topic material of this book. So I'm really looking forward to this because I she has written a memoir about her experience. It's called Like Family, Growing Up in Other People's Houses. And that was way back in 2013. But this one, I think, is it's described as a thriller, um, but very you know emotional. I think it's it's going to be a real doozy <laughs> in a good way. I wanted to add that Circling the Sun is my favorite historical fiction mm-hmm. novel of all time. I yeah, loved I it. agree with it. We loved it. connected yes, over that. We did. Okay, so the next book. I'm excited about this one. Tell us yes. Any of us who surfaced in the 80s <laughs> in our heyday uh, will look forward to this one, I think. But I kind of came into this story in a backwards way. So what we're talking about is Andrew McCarthy. And you'll remember him from St. Elmo's Fire. And he was sort of the puppy dog guy in, uh, what was the other one? Pretty in Pink, I think was the other one. Yeah. Um, well, he was in a number of, of uh, movies that Less were John Hughes. Yes. <laughs> Lots of sort of the John Hughes genre in the 80s. And so we can all picture the hair and the, you know, puppy dog eyes and all of that. But um, there's so much more to Andrew McCarthy. And I rediscovered him through his travel writing. And he's a beautiful writer. In fact, I was so enjoying this piece. I was, I don't know what I was reading, a National Geographic Traveler or Afar or one of these travel magazines. And I was so enthralled with the writer that I actually went up to see what the byline was. And I was like, Andrew McCarthy. And then I looked at the little blurb at the front and it was the one and the same, <laughs> pretty oh and pink Andrew McCarthy. So I found that quite fascinating and then started looking into his writing and he has written um, a book. What was it called here? Um, the Longest Way Home, One Man's Courage to Settle Down. So this was prompted because he was in a four-year-long engagement. <laughs> I think he was getting some pressure to maybe make a move uh, into the wedding zone. And um, he went off on a trip. And so that book is based on that. He's also written an award-winning young adult novel. So I came back to Andrew McCarthy, rediscovered him as an amazing writer. But this book that's coming out on May 11th is called Brat, an 80s story. And this is very much focused on um, his time in what was called the Brat Pack with that group of fellow actors in the movies we were talking about earlier. Um, I read one review that said, oh, I hate that it's called Brat because Andrew McCarthy is anything but. (laughs) So that'll be an interesting uh, way of kind of seeing if that is the truth when you read the book. But he's a great writer. So come at that from the writing rather than the celebrity side of it, I think. I'm wondering, I'm sure that he thought or the publishers thought about um, Rob Lowe's memoir. Yes, yes. Stories I Tell My Friends, which I know a number of people have read, but it's surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it, it did really well. So Yes, yeah. yeah. No, some of those are, um, you know, I'm surprised. Um, and we do learn a lot when we read these about the people behind what we see. So that's uh, always titillating too. <laughs> 
So tell us about the next book. Okay, so the next book, and this time I won't keep it till the end. I'll just tell you who it is and what it's about. This is Alka Joshi, and the book is called The Secret Keeper of Haipur, or Jaipur. I guess I'll learn how to pronounce that at some point. And if you enjoyed The Henna Artist, which I think, I mean, almost every one of us unanimously enjoyed that, this is actually the sequel. So at first, I thought it was a standalone trip back into that world. But no, this is actually um, 12 years later. And if you remember in the henna um, artist, there is the lovely little imp, I'll call him, <laughs> who liked to um, help out Lakshma, Lakshmi, who was the um, original character, the main character. So you'll have all of these um, characters they come back 12 years later and they are entrenched in another amazing story. So she's really um, now following uh, the little boy and he's now an adult and he's working in the palace. And as he's working there, he starts to sense some funny business going down. And so he digs a little deeper and then things get tricky. And so at the same time, it's a love story and all those characters we so loved and had been so beautifully painted by um, Alka Joshi before, they're all back. So that's going to kind of bring us, I think, some comfort for the ones that, uh, and it's kind of a treat. We don't often get these books so quickly back to back. So you'll have no trouble finding the Hannah artist if you haven't read it yet. So I've heard you can read these as standalone, but the Hannah artist is so evocative. Like right now, if I said, you know, what do you think of the Hannah artist? If you've read it, you're right there in the streets. It's just so beautifully done. So um, I'm really excited about this and fun to go back and, and visit that Malik. I think his name was the precocious little helper. <laughs> now he's the star of the story. So highly so, recommend that one. I have not read the Hannah artist. So would you recommend that if I want to read this new book that I read the henna artist first or they do say it's standalone but I so enjoyed the henna artist and yeah. I think they will provide a wonderful platform if it has the same characters how okay. great to go back and see like, the main character in this next the new book to enjoy getting to know him as a little boy because he was a wonderful character and then for him to now appear as this main focus of the next one I think you'll you'll enjoy that okay and then what what's our next book our next book is Imbolo Let's try that again. Imbolo Mamui's How Beautiful We Were. Now, this has a gorgeous cover. <laughs> I know yes. we never buy our books based on the cover, always. But uh, this one is really beautiful. Um, again, this writer will be known by her previous book called Behold the Dreamers. Now, this, I'm sad to say, is still on my waiting to read list. <laughs> And, um, but it was, it was very well received and I have to get on it because I've heard that it's become an opera and a stage play and it's about to become a mini series. So with all of that success around her first book, this one has very high expectations. I think uh, a lot of people um, are expecting this to be a really strong read. It's quite different. Behold the Dreamers was an immigrant story based in the U.S., um, around the financial collapse uh, in 2007, 2008. This one is, it actually reminds me in mood from what I've read about it of um, 419, um, which was a Will Ferguson book where it was set in Nigeria. And this one is set in a fictional African location. 
And again, it's sort of the big business. This one is the big oil companies have come in and they've really done damage to a village and its people and its culture and the politics is all part of it. So this is a really a, a big read. And um, I think it, it, it'll be very good, but it's, it's uh, um, focuses, it says there's lots of main characters, but one in particular stands out and she's a young woman who really takes up the cause and uh, she does become educated outside of the village and returns. So it's one of those big cause books. And um, I think it'll be, uh, from everything I understand, she's a beautiful writer and this will be another, another one to follow on her success in the first book. That's great. And what about our last book? This is, this is an unusual book. This, is, this, this piqued my interest. Did it? Yes. Well, this is fascinating to me too. I, you know, I think all of us like to, we were talking about Circling the Sun, achieving this as well, is that when we read, we want to go places. And I think you mentioned this the, the, in your last or one of your recent podcasts um, about Stanley Tucci, <laughs> especially in these years. Yeah. This year, we're really craving this urge to go somewhere else in our reading or our TV viewing or any of those things. So I've always loved that in a book when you feel you've gone someplace. So Belfast is always, I have Irish heritage down um, in my past, and I would love to uh, know more about it. And this is based, so I'll tell you the name of the book. It's called Elephant of Belfast. And an interesting thing was it's actually called the zookeeper of Belfast in the UK editions. So the elephant in this story, there is an elephant <laughs> and the zookeeper have equal footing in this story. It's both of their stories equally. And it's based on uh, a true story. And it was 1940 Belfast. And so it would have been during the war and Belfast suffered an incredible blitz of um, bombing. And this young zookeeper, she was only 20 when she was given charge of this giant elephant. And they were both sort of going through, like they're both orphaned in a way and, and really she needed to look after the elephant. And I think I'm getting the sense that the elephant kind of needed to take care of her. So it's, um, it's a very, well, somebody wrote here a novel of deep affection and knife edge suspense. So the story that it's based on is actually a young woman who would look after an elephant in the zoo. And every night she would take it home to her backyard and look after the elephant at home. And in order to protect the animals, um, there were lots of creative ways of hiding them away because if they were deemed a threat, they were, they could be killed or, or so that they wouldn't, you know, if a lion escaped from the zoo, for instance, he would be deemed a threat. So she was afraid her elephant might be deemed a threat and she needed to um, look after it all the way along. So anyway, it's, it's just a, a really interesting story. And um, it, I, as I looked deeper into it, Michael Moore Pergo, who uh, is of the War Horse fame and so many other great books, he writes mostly for children. He actually wrote a children's book called An Elephant in the Garden based on this same true story. Oh. And um, anyway, I think it's, I don't think it's uh, a child's story when you read it written by um, S. Kirk Walsh. I think it's definitely deals with adult themes, um, but how lovely to have an elephant in it. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, why do you think that World War II specifically historical fiction is so popular right now? I'm actually reading two other um, historical novels set during World War II, and it seems again and again that that is currently what a lot of people are grabbing. Yes. Why, why do you think that is? 
Yeah, it's a trend I've noticed as well. You know, Kate Quinn is out again with another great book. Um, so many of them, I mean, there are entire tables at bookstores that are related to this genre and World War II specifically. Um, I was, I think it was Pete McMartin, my friend Karen forwarded me his most recent article in the uh, Vancouver Sun. And he was talking about the reality that, you know, we're going through difficult times here with COVID and dealing with a global pandemic. But when you think about it in the context of world wars, like four years and, you know, then the years after to recover from utter disaster um, and, you know, sending young men off into the unknown for four years, incredible heart-wrenching experiences. And I think people are drawn to that in a way to show that, you know, we might be at home behind Zoom in our pajamas. <laughs> so yeah. this isn't really quite the same, yet it certainly had immense impact on lots of families, not to under underestimate its impact at all. Um, but I do think people want to see in a way, how others have come through trying times, and those were definitely trying times. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, good way to conclude. I wanted to thank you so much for stopping by and coming with a, a pro crew and setup. And um, <laughs> that was great. You can come back anytime. I'd love to. I, and I, I will talk books anytime. It's and, a <laughs> in fact, we could go on a lot longer. But yeah. um, and I'm going to um, refer in the show notes. Um, you can, she's going to go more at length on some of these books, plus several more in her latest blog post of um, Bedside Table Books. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Amy. It was always a pleasure. Well, I certainly now have all my spring reading sorted. What about you? Thanks so much to Susan Matheson for joining me today. And for more information on the books we discussed today, as well as a couple of other books that she's recommending, you can go to her website at bedsidetablebooks.com. And I want to invite you to come back next week when I delve into the world of fine art. I'm going to look at a documentary on a possible missing piece of art from a very famous artist. And then I'm going to look at a number of novels that I've enjoyed with fine art as their focus. Thank you so much. See you next week.